Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Things are changing all around us. And in the midst of all of this, we're going to, I'm asking you to shift gears from what's happening in the natural to what's happening in the spirit. What's happening, not what's happening in the world, but what's happening in your life. And I'm asking you to be people of great faith. I'm asking you to walk by faith and not by sight. When we met met last Sunday, we talked about in the recovery room, we were responding to Bishop's assignment from Watch Our Service. And from there, he told us to, from 1 Samuel 30, 30th, he said to go pursue, overtake, and recover all. And so we, let's do some quick recapping. And if we go back to 1 Samuel 30, verse 1 through 7, we know that David, then David said to Abatar, David was um, returning back home from from the men in war, and 600 men were with him, but we're going to just start right there at verse 7. Then David said to Abadar, the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephah. Abadar brought it to him. Well, did we know that from just knowing a little bit about what an ephah was, we discovered that that was a priestly garment, and we know that everything had been destroyed. The daughters and the sons were all taken away, and in the midst of all of that, David and his men, they wept and they wept. And we talked on Sunday that that's a natural thing. But in the midst of all of that, David shifted. And after they had cried, the Bible said they had wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And that may be where you have been, where you couldn't cry anymore. I've been to a place where I just didn't have another tear to drop. And I couldn't cry anymore, but I shifted. And so did David. And David, we learned in, a, in this uh, word of God in First Samuel, that he turned his face to God and he found strength in God. As we also discovered on Sunday, we've got 12 verses that even in times when we are weak, that these, these 12 verses of scriptures will make us strong. And that was available for you on Sunday. It's available again. Let's look at some quotes from our bishop. One thing our bishop said, and he said this in, uh, at our New Year's service, he said, your faith will always be tested. Your faith will always be tested as we go into persistent faith. The power of persistent faith. Bishop said, your faith will be tested. Let's go on and declare. Say, my faith will be tested, but I will pass the test. I'll pass the test. Dr. Leroy Thompson said this, and this is going to add to all of what we're learning. Dr. Leroy Thompson That's my pastor out of Darrell, Louisiana at Word of Life Christian Center. He said, your faith will face resistance. Your faith will face resistance. We'll find out opportunities when we'll find resistance in our faith. And then Bishop said also, but, say but, God always meets us at the level of our expectations. And so if we raise our standards high and we believe God and we stand on the word of God, God will meet us at our level of our expectations. We know that in the times when David shifted, David inquired of God, and we said to inquire is to ask, inquire is to get directions and to get instructions. Well, one of the words, why I keep talking, why am I talking about persistence? And we're talking about persistence because persistence 
is a synonym to pursue. And one of, the, one of the words that God told David, he said, should I go and pursue? They took my children. They took our daughters. They took our wives. They took our livestock. They took all of what we had. They burned down our cities. In his prayer to God, he actually pursuing God said yes. Well, one of the synonyms to pursue is persistent, to be persistent. And let's see what to be persistent means. To be persistent means an uninterrupted course of or repetition of like things or events. In other words, when you're persistent, you're just sticking with it. To be persistent means to stick with it. Synonyms with persistent are endurance, and one of the definitions says to proceed as stubbornly through difficulties. Or what we say in the word of God and in the house of God, and what we say in the church, David just pressed through. And you know, we ask, how are you doing? Oh girl, I'm pressing through. Well, pressing through and persistent all are synonymous. And so with that, we're going to talk tonight about the power of persistent faith. And with that, it's going to take you to press through some things. It's going to take you to stick with it. And it's going to take you to stand in faith and don't quit until you recover all. Say, I'm going to recover all. I won't quit. I'm going to stick with it, and I might have to be a little stubborn, but I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to stay in faith. Say, I'm going to stay in faith. Question number one is, uh, what do I do? So David heard from God, and David got directions from God. What do I do after hearing God's voice? Because we're going to ask of the text. Bishop says, when he's studying the word of God, he said, you've got to ask some things of the text. And I wanted to know, what did David do after he heard from God? And there's five things that I'm asking you to do after hearing from God. We're in a season of fasting and praying. We're in a season of studying the word. We're in a season of getting quiet and meditating in the word. Then what did David do? Five things that are required once you've heard the voice of God. Number one, step forward. Number two, take charge. Three, Activate your faith. Four, get the victory. Five, glorify God. Let's say that together. Number one, step forward. Number two, take charge. Number three, activate your faith. Number four, get the victory. Number five, glorify God. Now, I would do something a little bit different if the sanctuary was full and all the people were here. But since the sanctuary is already full because I see you all by faith, stand to your feet. Bishop would say, go to three people. But we're not going to go to three people, but we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to move because we just heard, of, we just heard from God. And you t I want you to grab one thing. One thing that your faith is extended for, and I want you to, you just heard God say it. You heard it as you've been praying all week. You've heard it throughout all of the times that you've been fasting and praying. I want you to move from where you are and then say the words. These are the things that I must do. Say that these are the things that I must do after hearing God's voice. Now I need some action. Say step one, I must step forward. That means you're moving. Step two, I must take charge. Do whatever you need to do to look like you're taking charge. Step three, I must activate my faith. Step four, help me. I must get the victory. 
And then step five, glorify God. And then how do we glorify God? We thank him. God, we just lift our hands. Come on, thank him in advance. Thank him by faith. Thank him in advance. God, I just thank you that we already have the victory. I thank you, God, that we are pursuing. I thank you, God, that we have it in our homes. We have everything that we desire as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you've heard his voice. Now God says to pursue. Let's talk about pursuing. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in your homes and wherever you are, those of you who are obedient. We know that persistent means an, un, un, an uninterrupted course of occurrence or repetition. When you're persistent, it's uninterrupted. That means you don't stop. You don't stop and take a seat. You don't start in faith and then stop. You don't start running and then go take a break. You don't start running and then all of a sudden you just give up. But when you're persistent in faith, it's an uninterrupted course of re repetition of the things that you're after. Question number two, let's ask, say question number two. This is what you need to ask of yourself. Ask of the text. Ask of David. What are some characteristics? Because it's Bible study, right? What are some characteristics of a person in pursuit? Because now I need to have my checklist to see if I'm, all right, I'm, I've heard the word of God. I know I'm supposed to step forward. I know I'm supposed to take charge. I know I'm supposed to activate my faith. But here it is. Tell me, what are the characteristics of a person who's in pursuit? Wouldn't you like to know that? I said, I'd like to know that. Here we are. First of all, a person in pursuit, number one, they're goal-driven. They are goal-driven. They are goal-driven. Secondly, they feel like it's their duty. When they're in pursuit of something, they feel like it is their duty. Also, when a person is, number three, another characteristic of a person in pursuit, they are loyal to the cause. They are loyal to a family and a nation. Sounds like David was loyal to the cause. He was loyal to his family. He was loyal to his nation. Another characteristic of a person in pursuit, say I'm in pursuit. That another characteristic is the person is brave and courageous. We saw in Joshua when we were together last Sunday, the Lord says, as I was with Moses, be brave and courageous. A person in pursuit, number five, is, has superior intelligence or strength. And we know that that strength comes from the Lord and that intelligence comes from the help of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, this is where we're going. A person in pursuit is determined or persistent. They have persistence. And so with that, as we, as we go through our scriptures, I want you to see and think back as you're reflecting, was David goal-driven? Did it feel like it was his duty to recapture and recover all? Did, was David, David loyal to the cause? And was he loyal to the family and to the nation? Was David brave and courageous? Was David, had, did he obtain superior intelligence or strength? And then was David persistent and was he determined? Well, you can see that with David, right? But now let's talk about you. Let's talk about your pursuit. You need, you're desiring a new job. You're desiring a new job, a position, a promotion. You're desiring a home. You're desiring a car. You're desiring healing. I'm not sure what you're in pursuit of. You're desiring that college degree. Remember that uninterrupted 
occurrence of events, that means you have to keep going. You have to keep going and get to the point where you can see the end and then finally you finish. So with everything that you're pursuing, if you take these principles and even tomorrow morning when you wake up on Thursday morning, each day I'm goal-driven. What are my goals for today? And do I feel like it's my duty that I need to get some things done? And then am I loyal to this cause? If you're loyal to the cause and you're loyal to the family because it's going to impact your family and you made some promises to your children, then you are, sounds like you have the characteristics of a person in pursuit. Say pursuit. Say I'm persistent in all that I do. And I accomplish everything that I set out to. And with that, I give God glory. I give God glory. Why faith? Say why faith? Let me tell you what happens with faith. And, and this, this, is, this is so, um, this is a prerequisite before you step out and decide that, that you're going to operate in faith. And when we, we've heard the word faith because we, we're a 34-year ministry, and Bishop has taught us a lot about faith, and we never can hear enough of it because it comes by hearing. That's the way faith comes. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We've learned that faith is in two places, in our mouth and in our heart. But something happens. The reason why you're tested, the reason why you experience resistance when you're operating in faith. I want to get into a place where I really want you to, to switch from all of the noise and excitement and great things that are going on around us. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we can say we can exhale. But as we're shifting, the reason why your faith is res face resistance, the reason why you have to pursue and press through, the reason why you have to be persistent in your cause, not my cause, in your cause, and that thing you're desiring to recover all, is because when you are in faith, you leave this world. Your words leave this world. Your thoughts leave this world and you step into a whole new arena and that arena is where God is, is where God lives. And so now you understand the resistance, you understand the opposition. And so faith-filled words, say faith-filled words, faith-filled words will always be resisted because it's trying to take you into another existence. Bishop called it another dimension. You are leaving this world and entering another world. So when you say, I'm going to get that job in the name of Jesus, then faith gets, gets moving. And then opposition comes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. You have just spoken faith-filled words. Faith-filled words leave the natural and register your words into the realm of the supernatural. And then it faced resistance. Faith-filled words are confusing to this world system. Faith-filled words are confusing to your family who's not in faith or your friends who's not in faith or your boss or your coworkers who's not in faith with you. Faith-filled words will be interpreted sometimes as arrogant, but, say but, faith-filled words always produce. Faith-filled words they that walk by faith, faith-filled words, always produce. A person operating in faith is snatching a person or a thing or a situation out of the hands of the enemy. 
That's what faith-filled words do. You know what? When I was thinking about this whole faith-filled words, I, re- I watched enough of um, the X-Men. My, son, my youngest son and I, we are X-Men people. And so we watch all of those, and they have special gifts. Faith-filled words is like your superpower. It's like your superpower. It's like, okay, everything around you is kind of closing in on you, but you start using your superpower, and that's your faith-filled words. And you leave your existence, and you leave everything around you, and poof, you're somewhere else. And you step into an arena, and then you, by your own words, change your circumstances. But what I love about that realm of the Spirit, say realm of the Spirit. What I love about the realm of the Spirit, say realm of the Spirit. When you step over into the realm of the spirit, you're not alone. You've got a guide that'll show you things to come. You've got a guide in the realm of the spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost in one arena, Holy Spirit in the other. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you, but I won't leave you comfortless. And then you have your precious language, which activates, activates that realm. It's the door. It has the key to the realm of the spirit, and then you can snatch some things out of the spirit. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, or you heard the word, because they're sick, they're going to die, and the doctors give a report, or the lawyers give a report, or the courts give a report, or the judges give a report, or here we are, the policemen give a report, and you say, not my child, not my home, not my husband, not my family, not my ministry, not my pastor, not my school, not my community, not me. Let's make it personal. Say, not me. And you won't touch me and everything that's attached to me. Say, you won't touch me. And when we say we, don't, we won't touch you, you're telling Satan, and that's everything attached to you. That's how our faith-filled words talk. You're entering to a realm, and we don't do that enough. We say words because we know scripture, but when it comes with faith, it comes with persistence. It comes with that uninterrupted. It comes with a stubbornness. It comes with an attitude, and then it comes with action, and then guess what? It produces. It produces. I'm excited because I have been over there so much here lately. Then the word of God says that the just say, that's me shall live by faith. Well, if you live by faith, that means you're not living in this world. You're living in another realm. You Say the just, that's me, shall live by faith. Well, if we're living by faith, then that means we're not, we're not we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So that means circumstance. We're not moved by what we see because we're living by faith. We're not moved by what we hear. We're walking by faith. We're not, we're not moved by what we see or hear. We're only moved by what we believe. And with that, then our words will sound differently. We won't go along with, girl, you know the virus. Well, girl, you heard. They got the quarantine. Even in the quarantine, I'm healed. Even in the quarantine, I'm well. Even in the quarantine, me and my family, we're safe. Well, girl, you know, the job closed down and she lost her job. And we're going to get that stimulus money. We're going to get them PPP funds. Don't you understand? That's just one time. Did you get that? that that's just a one-time check. What are you going to do after that? Then you're going to start walking by faith? The just say, that's me. I live in the realm 
Say it. I live in the realm of the spirit. And I'm led by the Holy Ghost in that realm. And I'm snatching. I'm snatching those things that the enemy stole from me today. Amen. In Jesus' name. That's how faith-filled words talk. That means right now, yes, we're happy about all the changes. And yes, we're happy. But in the midst of that, we're still, I switched up just like David switched up. God, what do you need me to do? That's good. Everything's going on in Washington, D.C. But what you need me to do right here in Kansas City? What do you need me to do at Harvest Church with Jesus Lord? What do you need me to do at Harvest Christian School? What do you need me to do for my ministry? What do you need me to do for this ministry? What do you need me to do for my man of God and the house of God? Give me my assignment and I will say, yes, sir. Let's look at, um, let's look at a story. Because Jesus told lots of stories. And I love, I love the fact that his type of teaching dealt with, dealt with stories. And so let's go into scripture tonight. And we're going to look at Matthew's. And we're going to look at the lady with um, the daughter who was vexed by a demonic spirit. Let's go to Matthew, and um, let's look, look at Matthew 15. And the background story is Jesus, he leaves, um, he departs from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and that's verse 21, 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole. From that very hour, we're gonna te- we're gonna de- uh, delve into this this story, and we're gonna look closely and watch this. To me, this is one of the pinnacle stories of persistent faith, like never before. First of all, uh, Matthew tells the story, the account that Jesus had departed and he went into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And if you go over to Mark, Mark chapter 9 tells the same account of the story. But in the beginning, Mark says that Jesus found a home and he and the disciples, they all went away. They, Jesus went to a house in Tyre and he actually went there to rest. He was tired. He had been ministering. They had been all over the countryside. And Mark's account says that Jesus found his home, and he went there to rest. Say, but. But the lady heard that he was in the area. And the first, the first principle when it comes to being persistent is this lady found Jesus. She sought the Lord. Jesus was trying to get some rest. And in the midst of all of that, point number one is she sought the Lord. Back to David and Samuel, when, when David, David in the book of Samuel, when David discovered that everything was lost, David sought the Lord. 
So I don't know when you're in a trial and your faith is on trial and your faith is being tested. Do you seek the Lord or do you call mama? Who do you call in your seeking? Who do you call first? Do you call friends of faith? Do you call mom and them? Do you figure it out yourself? I'm not quite sure what you do. But based upon this lady, we know the end of the story, and we know the end of the story. She recovered all, didn't she? But let's see what she did in the process. Say, let's see what she did in the process. Number one, she sought the Lord. And then so Jesus had to be found. So whenever you're after something, whenever things are coming against you, wherever you're facing something, even something good, and it's a promotion, seek the Lord. Find him. He said, ask, and it shall be given. He said, knock, and the door shall be opened. He tells us all throughout Scripture, they that seek me, I, I can be found. I can be found if you seek me. And then most times we don't. Most times we just kind of get with our little prayer group. And our prayer group, you know, everybody's got some revelation. But if you get along with God and you just decide, I'm going to get along with God, I'm going to get quiet, and God, I'm going to seek you. All your prayer group is there for is just a confirmation because you sought the Lord. Verse 22 says, and then uh, the woman was uh, from Cana. And then over in Mark, he, they said she was a Syrophenian woman. Over in Matthew, they said she was from Canaan. Acts of the text, I asked, I said, well, what was she? Was she Syrophenian from Syria or was she Canaan from Canaanite from Canaan? Well, it depends upon um, Mark was writing to the Romans and Matthew was writing to the Jews. And so whenever you're studying the word of God, because this is a Bible study, you need to know who the author is writing to so that when they're explaining something to you, like we're going to get down to the dog's feet, it was written so that you'll better understand it. But if you think of it in an American um, way of thinking, you think that Jesus was insulting her, but he really wasn't because he was speaking a language for her, for her region. And I clearly understand that because I can be in Louisiana <laughs> and we have our own little language. And we have a way of saying things that only people from Louisiana can understand. And if I told you the story in Louisiana, I told the story in Louisiana, having been married to my husband from the Midwest, he was clueless when we first married on what was I talking about? What are you talking about? Well, he said, even when I got on the phone and started talking to my family back at home, he said, your dialect changed. He said, and you start sounding like you're back in Louisiana because I'm home. And so Matthew was telling this story because he was telling it to the point of the Jews. So she was technically a Canaanite. Her, her native land was Can from Canaan, but she lived in Syria at the time. So Mark called a Syrophenian woman. So when you're reading the scripture, ask some questions of the text. But this is where we're going. Point number two in our persistence, say persistent. One of the revelations that came when the woman approached Jesus, because she was not Jewish, and because she knew he was, he was a healer, the first thing she solicited from Jesus was mercy. She sought him, and when she came, when she got close to him, she said, have mercy on me. And most times, because we think we have, we're people of faith and we can come boldly, sometimes in your persistence, and sometimes in your faith, your faith needs to be coupled with mercy. She said, have mercy. 
And here's the deal. She not only said have mercy, her, she wasn't vexed with the devil. Her child was vexed with the devil. And yet she said, have mercy on me. And with that, that got Jesus' attention because if nothing else, it was just defining how close this situation was and how close this child was to us. And any one of us who have children, any one of us who have children and something's going on with our children, we know when our children hurt, we hurt. So our child was vexed, but yet she, she approached God, she approached Jesus, and she said, have mercy on me. I'm going to take you another step further when it comes to the, the, the to request mercy on me. And it was her daughter. When we go before the Lord, I personally feel that my revelation, and this is Donna Halp's revelation, you can take it. I believe she said, have mercy on me because she knew that God deals in generations. Because when we're blessed, we want what? We're blessed. We want our children to bless. He said, I'll bless you, Abraham, your children and your children's children. And I will curse those who will curse you. And if he's going to curse those who curse Abraham, then he was going to curse generations. So if he's going to bless generations. So when she stood before the Lord, she was saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me because this thing has happened in my family. Moral of the story, parents, bring your children to the Lord. Bring them to the house of God. We'll talk about some vexed children. Have mercy on me. Say, have mercy on me. As I read the scripture, every time I read it, every time I heard it, I said, Lord, have mercy on the house. Have mercy on the house. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on Harvest Church. Have mercy on us, God. Shall mercy. Say, God, have mercy on our family. We've said it for the nation, but have mercy on me. She sought the Lord. She asked for mercy. Mercy must accompany your faith. And then Jesus answered not a word in persistent number three. Persistent faith. Be patient in the silence. Jesus didn't answer a word. Be patient in the silence. Some of you are in a silent moment right now. You've sought the Lord. You've asked for things, and God hasn't said anything. Stay right there. Be patient in the silence. Stay where God has placed you. Stay where you are. I don't know who I'm talking to, husband and wife. Stay where you are. We've sought the Lord, but we're still here. We haven't moved. We thought we were going to get the home. We thought we were going to get the promotion. Just stay right there. Here's an example. Snipers. Snipers are in the building, not this building, but we've seen snipers in the building. Let's just go on and just let's take, take it as a scenario. Snipers are in the building, but somebody that you're with knows the whole layout of the building and knows the best place for you to hide. So they'll tell you, just wait right here. Stay right here. Don't come out. Don't come out. Don't move. You wait five minutes. You wait 10 minutes. You hear shots firing. You hear people running. You hear people screaming. You think you ought to move. But the person who knows the layout of the building said what? Wait right here. So you're still waiting. 15 minutes go by. 20 minutes go by. But then you decide. Boom, you're dead. 
Boom. It's just happened that fast. You're gone. Yes. Funny, huh? How many times have you raised your head when God said don't move? How many times have you gotten up and then you find yourself, it was a dead situation, the opportunity didn't happen, the promotion didn't come, we didn't get the house, we didn't get the uh, loan, it didn't happen, we didn't get the breakthrough. Because you raised your head and you got up from that place when God didn't say a word. He has hidden you in the secret place. He's placed you in a secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. She was patient in the silence. She was persistently patient in the silence. Hmm. Now let's go on. Number four, let's find about this persistent faith. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away. Send her away. She crieth after us. Well, another key ingredient that goes along with, with mercy comes Become quick to forgive. I believe the Lord said that when the disciples said, send her away, she besought after us. I believe right then at that very moment, she forgave them. She forgave them. Forgive them right there. See, along your walk, along your persistent walk and faith, you, remember we said your faith will be, face resistance? That was resistance coming at her. And right then and there, even when you're about to walk into something and you believe God for something, the enemy will always send someone on your path to assassinate your faith. It's not going to be a walk in the tulips. You're going to have to fight. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because we win. Well, why do we have to fight? Because we're in another realm. We're in another arena. It's foreign to the world. The people around us don't understand what we're doing because we're in faith. We see the job. We see the home. We see the persistence. We see the gift. We see it. We see the healing. So the enemy is not going to sit by. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy him. We just discussed that back in part one. So your faith is going to feel resistance. And so when someone comes along, and most times it's somebody, you know, well, why you want to do that? I don't know why you want to do that. Who thought of that? They're not in the realm where you are. They're not where you are. They're not where you are in your thoughts. They're not where you are in your mind. They're not where you are in your vision. They're not at all where you are because you're somewhere else. That's how this ministry was birthed. It was birthed first in the realm of the spirit. He walked through one place. He heard God said, come to Kansas City. He moved from one place to the next place to the next place. And he fought resistance by the government officials. He fought resistance by the city officials. He fought resistance from the members who left. He fought resistance in his own home. In his own home. Own home he fought resistance. Bishop Steve Howe. And he's taught us over and over. And he was quick to forgive. Faith. Persistent faith. One ingredient. Have mercy. Seek the Lord. Be quick to forgive. I believe the lady forgave the disciples right then and there. He said, look, send her away. She, she's, caught, she's crying after us. She's crying after us. She wasn't crying after them. She was not crying after them. She was seeking God. And if you follow them, listen, you follow over in Mark 9, that was the same disciples who couldn't. The man came to said, my son is vexed with the devil. Have mercy on me. No, he said, have mercy on us. The lady says, have mercy on me. It was his son who was vexed with the devil. Go back and study the book of Mark. 
Mark chapter 9, the disciples couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't bring the devil out of the man, the man's son. Jesus said, oh, you faithless generations. He said, this only comes out through prayer and fasting. Sounds like we're in the right place right now. It's the 21-day fast. Comes out through prayer and fasting. It's coming out. Say, come out. And he answered and said, I, I, I'm, I'm not sent. He, he, finally, Jesus answers. Because the disciples answered. And you know the disciples were merciless. They, they did not care. They didn't have an ounce of mercy for the lady. Because they might have been the same group that was trying to work with the man with the son. And it was like, Lord, we'd have been here before. Just send her away because we're not good at this. We don't do this. But she wasn't crying after them. She had her eyes set on Jesus. Say, my eyes are set on Jesus. But he answered, Jesus answered, said, I'm not sent. I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, principle number five, take the test. Because now here, here it is. Bishop says your, t- your faith is on trial. Bishop says you're going to have to pass the test. Over in James, it says the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you will be entire one and nothing. And so here, in this case, the test, Jesus will, t- Jesus in many occasions, when we come to him, that we will be tested. And this refers pretty much Jesus was on a mission. And he really was saying to her in so many words, I really didn't come. I'm out here, but I only came to the Jews and not to the Gentiles. And so that's what he really meant. He answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she was not Jewish. And so he was not trying to insult her. He was just saying, I'm on this mission. I'm in this area, and I'm here only to serve the people of Harvest Church. But yet someone calls and said, I need counseling. Bishop, can you counsel me if we want to make it a a relative term? So Jesus was in the area, and he's saying to her that I'm really on this mission. I really didn't, you know, he was already tired. He had already hidden in the house. The lady calls him. She asks for mercy. She asks that her daughter be, to heal her daughter. The disciples are just, you know, we already know that, you know, they already feel that something already. And let's get back to the disciples. The disciples, you know, you also have to be careful of the kind of people that you have around you. Deacons. Ministers. Staff. Ministry of helps. Send her away. Oh, Lord, here she comes. She always praying for her children. Oh, Lord, here they come. You know, they, they hold pastor up all the time. Oh, my goodness. Here she comes with all those kids. Oh, here's the phone call again. This, this daily at Harvest Church in your church. Be mindful. Staff, ministers, deacons, ministry of helps, leaders, pastors, Mrs. Halp. Extend mercy to anyone who comes. Amen. Especially in this time and going forward because you could abort your own faith project because you're not showing mercy to someone else. What you do to the least of these? When you've done it to the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it to me. Watch this. Have mercy on me, meaning my child. Jesus said, when you have mercy on someone else, 
then you are helping and you are serving and you and Jesus is pleased with him because he says, well, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So Jesus takes ownership of anybody who's in need. So that means when you love them, you've loved them, you have pleased the Lord. So maybe in your trial and in your test and in your walk, you might get interrupted by someone who's just all of a sudden, you're totally focused, you're totally focused, totally focused on something, on your mission, and then here comes someone else who will throw you off. Say, take the test. She took the test, but she hadn't passed it yet. She's just still taking the test. She hadn't passed the test yet. She's still taking the test. Some of you may be in that place right now. You're still taking the test. You haven't passed the test. Say, but I'll pass the test. Then so this is what happens after the test comes. A couple in our face, she sought the Lord. She asked for mercy. She was quick to forgive. She was patient in the silence. She says, when he says, I didn't come to the children, house of, only came to the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. That sounds like persistent faith to me. So she just entered into worship. And one thing you must know, the Lord always responds to worship. And so in the midst of you not seeing things happening, in the midst of your pursuing, we haven't even gotten to the taking all yet. We haven't gotten to the recovery all. We're still in the road. We're on the road of pursuing. It's just time to worship. So what do we do? We say, well, Lord, we just thank you. We don't see anything right now, but God, we're not moved by what we see. We got those faith-filled words. God, I already see you. I thank you, God, that you're already moving. The courts are changing. The, the decision is changing. The legal action is changing. The police report is changing. The doctor's report is changing. The school system for my children is changing. God, I just thank you in advance, and I just worship that this is the day that you've made, and no matter what the situation is, Yes, God, I know you've been silent. I know you haven't said anything. I know I am not always worthy. You have, I'm asking for mercy. And so, God, she entered into worship. She entered into worship. And he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Well, during that time, what Jesus was really saying during that time, dogs at that time, they were talking about in the house. Jesus was saying, as, an, as, a, um, as a child of God, we all have small dogs. Lenarian is a Greek word. Jesus was relating his assignment as to, children, as to the children of Israel and not to the Gentiles. So he's saying, I've come to the house of God. I've come to the house of Israel. This is who I'm here for. And in the midst of that, he's saying that I'm not here to serve people who are unclean and people who are not spiritual. And in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, I'm not here to just feed you something and take care of you. My assignment is simply, is simply to the house of Israel. And so when he uses the terms dogs, he's actually returning it referring to a small dog. And he's talking about a small animal that you were serving, you would have in your house and you would feed. She's still taking a test. Say she's still taking a test. The test isn't over. She's still taking the test. Look what the girl said, 27. She said, and she said truth. That's right. I understand. She said, yes, Lord, truth. But even the dogs, even those, even those who are not Jewish, even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. That was the pinnacle of persistent faith. That she, even in the midst of what appeared like rejection, 
she was not insulted. She understood that he was speaking. But to the Gentiles, listen, I didn't come for you. In the midst of that rejection, she passed the test, and that was the pinnacle of persistent faith. You're on a journey right now. You're in pursuit of a promotion. Somebody's in pursuit of a promotion. And there's all kinds of obstacles that are in the way to get you off your course to help you to assassinate your faith. There's people, and I, I know, I know that are watching. You're putting in an application. You're desiring a home, a home. You're, you want to move to a new home. And yet, there are obstacles, and your faith is experiencing resistance. All I can say is take the test and pass the test. And how do you do that? By staying in faith. Say with me. Say we are people of great faith. We have the spirit of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. The just, that's me, shall live by faith. And as for those who through faith and patience, through faith and patience, inherit the promises, my full potential, my full potential shall be maximized by faith. Here we are. Here we are. The force of faith. The force of faith. The force of faith is working. It's working in my life right now. My life is a lifestyle of faith. And upon that very thing, the last and the most, the last characteristic, the last key that you add to your faith is humility. And it took her to humble herself. And she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat from the master's table. She still called him master. She still acknowledged him as Lord. Even in the midst of that. So we're talking, seek the Lord. Ask God for mercy. Be patient in the silence. Be quick to forgive. Take the test. Worship is the key. Exercise humility. Then Jesus answered, and he's answering you. And said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Sounds like she recovered all. My takeaway in all of this, this encourages, I'm encouraging parents and encouraging even myself to bring our children to Christ, whose souls are under Satan's power. It's the, 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 I'm sorry, the statistics say that one in four children, 16 to 25 years old, during this pandemic have committed suicide. One in four, one in four have committed suicide. So yet the pandemic, when it first hit, we talked about it was hitting older people, it was hitting our elderly. But in the midst of all the quarantines, in the midst of children having to stay at home and not go to college and not have high school events and not being a part of their athletics and having to be forced to stay at home, and we don't always know if they're in a home with abusers or they're in a home where they're really having all kinds of turmoil going on, confusion. I'm concerned about our children because the woman brought her, her child who was vexed. Over in Mark, the man brought his son who was vexed with a demon. 
And my takeaway is to encourage the parent. I'm asking you to study your children. You know that's my heart. Find out what's going on with your teenagers. Find out what they're watching and what they're reading. It encourages parents to bring their children to Christ whose souls are under Satan's power unless we do something. God is able to heal them, and he is willing. Not only bring them to Christ, but bring them to prayer. We had prayer last Saturday with our children. More children should have been on that prayer. I'm really concerned that, that we just don't become so consumed with what we want that we miss our children. Please take the time. Satan has also no respect to persons. And he's after any age and any child. And we, we the people of God must say no. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.